Hello, and welcome to Memorial Hall Library's Shelf Help Podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, a reference and cataloging librarian. And I'm Stephanie Odd, the local history and reference librarian. And today we're going to talk about local history, of course, um, and specifically some types of documents that you might not know that we have that you can view at the library. And we thought we would kind of get into them around one particular man, J. Everett Collins. So why might people why might people know that name, Stephanie? Well, every high school kid in Andover and every parent who's had to attend a dance recital or a, uh, you know, a violin mm, concert, um, concert yeah. knows the name J. Everett Collins because it's the name of our performing arts center adjacent to Andover High School, the J. Everett Collins Center for the Performing Arts. That is why people know that name. And it's funny because I knew we had a Collins Center and I cataloged the materials we're going to be talking about that feature J. Everett Collins, and I did not put the two together, despite the fact that he, you know, was very involved in Andover's music scene, among among other things. Involved is a serious understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I, I actually know where this man's house was, where he grew up, but I'm starting to think that he's, you know, slept in a concert hall. I don't really understand how one person could do so much with their life. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So some of the types of documents that we have here are things that I guess I would describe as ephemera um, because, you know, they weren't necessarily intended for posterity. Um, But so we have several, like, concert programs that you can find in our catalog for concerts that he directed. Yeah, so J. Everett Collins, um, you know, of course people know him for the Collins Center, you know, being the namesake of the Collins Center, but J. Everett Collins was the longtime musical director of the Andover Male Choir. That's one of the musical hats he wore. He was also a um, in the leadership board of the uh, New England Federation of men's choirs, which was a men's glee clubs, excuse me. Yeah. He, um, uh, conducted the Andover male choir and the choral, Andover choral society's production of the Messiah for, I think, like 50 years. Yeah, that sounds right. And I, I think we do have at least one program of that Messiah, per, you know, of one of these Messiah performances. Yeah. The Andover community has long loved at many communities around the world loved to participate. It's really, you know, an open participation of the Messiah um, at Christmas time. Um, and J. Everett Collins was a big part of keeping that, you know, making that tradition here in Andover and bringing um, fine arts music uh, and choral performances to Andover. Oh, there's so much I could tell you. You're going to really have to watch the clock on this one. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a fascinating history. And and just to tie it back to the collections, I'll add that we have plenty of musical ephemera that has nothing to do with uh, with Jay Everett, if we may address him such. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have a variety of ephemera from, you know, from concerts and musical groups in town through the years, but but his name just keeps coming up. Right. So I have had several people come in to do research about why is the Collins Center called the Collins yeah. Center. And um, of course, you know, as the library, we're not just the keeper of books. We have a big music collection. We have um, a CD collection. We have streaming music. Um, but and you probably heard that we do have an Andover, you know, our listeners have probably heard that we have an Andover room, which is our local history documents collection. 
Um, but we have what many, you know, historical societies and libraries would call a vertical file. And um, thanks to you, Stephanie, we've been really trying to make all the rich gems in the vertical file accessible. And right. by which we mean not only physically accessible, but also discoverable. Discoverable. Findable. So like, you know, catalog, I mean, A, just cataloging them at all so that we have a record of their existence and then B, making sure that those catalog records have subject headings so that if you do a search for Andover music, these would come up, you know, and if, you know, making sure that they have the appropriate names linked to them, in this case, J. Everett Collins, but, you know, also a lot of these programs mentioned by name, other principal actors, you know, like the sopranos, piano soloists, etc., making sure those names are tied in so that if you if you search J. Everett Collins, you'll find several different documents uh, that mention him, even though he is not, you know, he his name wouldn't necessarily show up in the title or the author, but but he is, you know, a presence in that document. So making them accessible in that way, and hopefully someday making them accessible by having them digitized. But a hundred percent. But that's in the future. So you know, there's just there's so much to discover in local history documents, and these J. Everett Collins um, items or collection items are really so rich. I'm holding in my hand right here a 1946 uh, concert of sacred music that was performed. Um, at the Andover, no, no, it was, it was performed at the Cochran Chapel, the chapel at PA over on Chapel Street. Um, and it was directed by J. Everett Collins. But this program, this is the original program, and hopefully we'll have it digitized soon. But you've, you've recently made a catalog record for it. Yeah. And one of the things, just like you said, you captured in that catalog record is the fact that, um, J. Everett Collins was the director in this piece. And um, the the names of the groups that were participating. So there was the anniversary chorus, which sounds like a one-time right. assembly. Um, the Boys Glee Club of the Andover Junior High School. And they have the names of those yes. people. The, the, all of the names aren't in the record for right. in the catalog. I mean, and we say this because there's, I mean, there's probably about 100 names. So usually I'll pick the principal names and, and yes, and then the group names. Um you know, but if you if you have a parent, a grandparent, someone that you that you knew you know might have been involved in you know in glee or in choir when they were in middle school or junior high, as it was called then, you might be able to you might be able to find this document and then come in and look at it and you know and see if their name is on the list. And listen to this, Stephanie. I just yeah. opened this and I and I have looked at this before, but I, I'm looking more carefully, and it says. This is the, the 1946 concert of sacred music. It says recordings on two sides of a 12 inch non-breakable vinyl light, which mm-hmm. is like written with a capital V yeah. of the chorus and of male choir and boys chorus selections were made at the final rehearsal and will be available at an approximate net cost of $2 and 60 cents. This ideal permanent souvenir can be obtained by signing cards in your possession and delivering them to attendants at the doors as you leave. So, Wow. Yeah, right. One question is, where is a copy of this? I wish we had one. I wish we had one, too. I'd really love to be able to play it. I wonder if they have it at the Historical Society. Yeah. Let's, we got, that's, that's our next rabbit hole yeah. right there. <laughs> so. But it's also, like, it's, it's such an interesting detail about, you know, what, 
what life was like for the sort of average, you know, Andover resident of, what was this, 1946, you said? Yes, yes. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it's very easy to think of local history as very dry, um... But once you really start looking at the documents, I mean, this is what I love about cataloging them, because, of course, to catalog them well, I have to look through them and and see, well, what is this actually about? Who are the people involved? You know, etc. And yeah, you just, you get these little tidbits, like, you know, that just kind of give you a feel for what were people doing for fun in 1940s? It's like, they were going to concerts, but they were also listening to vinyl recordings at home. Absolutely. Assuming anyone bought them, which I'm guessing they did. Um, Oh, absolutely. You know, and you get, you get from this that like, you know, boys at the junior high were maybe participating in glee club for fun. It just, you know, it really, it really gives just a little taste of, of how things were, which I find sort of, you know, just sort of fascinating. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, we absolutely still have male choruses. We have the Boston Ma- Boston Gay Men's Choir, which is yeah. very famous. Um, we have, there are lots of sort of acoustical musical reasons for there to be um, male and female right. singing groups. Um, but there is this sort of like overt thing to me that just sort of jumps out the end of her male choir. I know we we still do have men's courses. We yeah. have barbershop quartets and right. I'm sure there are women in them, but it does sort of strike me as sort of very mid 20th century, very yes. American. Yeah. Right? The end of her male choir. And Absolutely. I was just remembering at that time that underneath the masthead of the townsman, there was a quote, I think it's from Phillips Brooks. I should probably look it up and it says, Andover, the sober manly town. <laughs> Wow. Um, I should have it with me because it's just such a funny question, funny little thing, but this was the Andover Mail Choir. Yes, and I think, I feel like they had a slightly different name at some point, or maybe they shifted into the Andover Choral Society at some point, and then women were also part of the group. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was something I noticed as I was cataloging this kind of series of musical programs. So the other thing you know, I'm just thinking about yeah. is right now during COVID and also as we, you know, hit the 21st century, yeah. printed ephemera is, yeah. um, you know, for lots of good reasons going away. Mm-hmm. I went to church the other day. I go to South Church here in Andover and um, we don't have paper church programs oh, really? anymore. And, you know, some people are shocked. Yeah. You need to scan a QR code and access it on your phone. What about people who don't have smartphone? Um, that's a really great question. Mm-hmm. I think they had, they did have a stack available. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, um, I've been to a restaurant during COVID when yeah. they're not giving out menus. They have you scan mm-hmm. and look at a menu on mm-hmm. a QR code. And, um, when I look at some of these things, I guess there's also sort of physical material evidence of the work that went into having these things professionally printed. Right. Right. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're clearly well done. I mean, or, you know, at least like you say, professionally done. I mean, they tend to be typed, not handwritten. Some of them even have photographs of, you know, Jay Everett or of, um, of, you know, of a soloist in the concert. I mean, you know, they sometimes they even say on them where they were printed, which is which is interesting. Um, 
So I just I just had this yeah. like funny little insight here. Here's I'm holding another one. This is from 1961. This is a spring concert yeah. by the Andover Male Choir in the Andover Choral Society. Mm, there it is. And, and yeah. I should make a point to look it up and maybe it's there. Is the Andover Choral Society the um, corresponding women's group that was in town, like you said? So maybe I, I don't I know. Think the Andover Choral Society was co-ed. Okay. I think. I'm not I'm not positive because I was cataloging these about a year ago. Um, but I guess I was just going to say, um, in this particular yeah. concert from 1961, I see a um, item on the program at the song You'll Never Walk Alone, which I believe I've heard before. And um, it says it's arranged by someone named Simeon. And there's a building across the street mm-hmm. from Memorial Hall Library that has sort of chiseled in stone. It says Simeon. Oh. And I know as a local history librarian, that there was a long-time pharmacy there. Yeah. And I happen to know, because somebody was in here doing um, family history research, and I yeah. have sort of a friend of a friend, this is the kind of town Andover is, that there was a long-time music teacher at Andover High School whose last name was Simeon. Yeah. And she was also oh. the founder of the Andover All-Girls ba- Marching Band. Oh. I know yeah. that because someone else was researching right. it, but... It seems like there might be a connection there. Here she was, making musical arrangements. I mean, yeah. so rich. It really is. And the sort of, the more you, the more you get into it, the more connections there are to find. Right. And just like every, you know, other kind of um, cultural programming we do, these yeah. things took money. And right. I one of the items you cataloged is an appeal from J. Everett Collins written in 1961. And who knows yeah. who this got mailed out to. Right. Asking for people to support um, the Andover Mail Choir and their performances and make a contribution and be a member. So it was certainly um, the kind of thing where you could have season tickets. Right. A contribution of $5 will assure the donor of two seats in a preferred section. The seats will be reserved until 7.50 p.m. And donors will be listed as patrons. So those are the same sorts of things we do today. Right. Um, I don't really think of them. You know, occasionally I um, have a friend who helps me get affordable tickets to the BSO. And I always think, who are these patrons of the arts? And what yeah. would it be like to be one? But these things happen on every level. Right. Exactly. It doesn't It doesn't have to be a huge or expensive contribution. There are, there are local organizations. I mean, I think... I think technically I'm a, I'm a member of like the Merrimack Repertory Theater. They have oh, a. Yeah. Is that have, in Lowell? That is in Lowell. And yeah. I haven't been there in a long time, of course. But um, but they've had some. You know, they have some online stuff. But you know, mostly I decided to join because I would like them to keep existing. Um, to you know, for when I get back to going to the theater in person because. You know, they put on good quality shows in my experience, and it's easier than going into Boston. And, you know, cheaper than going into Boston. And the membership isn't that expensive. Um, I mean, also, they have a they have a program for people younger than 35, um, you know, to get discounted tickets. And that applies to me. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that that sort of thing has been happening for a long time and that it doesn't have to be out of reach. I mean, $5 in the 60s was certainly more than $5 now, but... But not 
a totally unattainable amount, I think. Oh, a hundred percent. It really, it really takes a bit, uh, you know, a village of voices yeah. of, um, musical, you know, people who can do musical arrangement. It's really kind of amazing. And Andover has a really rich history, um, of supporting the arts. And one thing I was just going to say that we should talk about in another podcast yeah. is that when the Collins Center was first launched, it was sort of seen as a Merrimack Valley regional cultural arts center. Yeah. And, it sort of feels like now it, there are traveling shows that go there, but it does sort of feel like it's the Andover High School Auditorium, and I'd like to know more about yes. that. Um, but J. Everett Collins also, like, I just, you know, I know Wait, we're not... he wasn't just involved with music. I mean, and you can kind of trace him through other things in some of the documents we have. Yeah. Um, I guess he was called Andover's Music Man. And um, he passed away in 1986. And um, he was a state legislator. He, uh, he was a state representative. Yeah. He was served as longtime um, board, a select board member. I guess yeah. it was called the selectman back then. Yeah, definitely. Being the male sober town. Yes. Um, but he also was on the school committee and he was a teacher. And he was a member of the Boosters Club. Don't forget that important We detail. learned he was in the Boosters Club. I yeah, mean, what we, we didn't this man do? He, yeah, he did a lot. Oh, he was a licensed insurance adjuster. Wow. Um, we do have, you know, we were talking about primary sources, and that's really what yeah. we love. But we have several, several secondary sources, sort of Andover Town histories. Right. Um, Typically books that have been published. Sure. And several of them honor J. Everett Collins as sort of, you know, one of our town's leading men. And this, yeah. this one I have in my hand says, J. Everett Collins, a man born to do. Um, he was also quite an accomplished athlete. Um, that would explain the Boosters Club involvement. I suppose, yeah. It sounds like he even um, um, was paid for playing baseball for a team in Manchester. Wow. So, okay, I guess, can we say he had a very short-lived professional baseball career? I'm not Perhaps. sure. I mean, we can certainly say that he was a, uh, a renaissance man. Yeah, absolutely. He grew up in York Street over off of Haverhill Street. Um, and let's see. Uh, you know, I, as I was sort of like looking for all the things we have about him, I was wondering, did people who knew him call him Jay Everett? Like, or did they call him Everett? Like, in this um, book that I have that was published by the Eagle Tribune, um, called Andover Stories, and we yeah. have we have circulating copies and a sort of an archival copy says, um, students lovingly referred to him as Uncle John. Huh. So presumably that's what the J stood for? Oh, yeah. I d I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Yes, he was John Everett Collins. I mean, yeah, that is, you know, really the most pressing question is what does the J stand for? Yeah, it does say he um, did a, he was very influential in shaping the music programs at Andover High School and West Middle School. Um, and he was the Andover Public Schools choral consultant. He also was a licensed insurance adjuster. So I think his day job was in the insurance business, mm. at least for part of his life. Right. Um, but again, like, when did this, this man sleep? It says... How did he have time for all that? Right. He was also the music director at South Church. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that does ring a bell. I remember seeing that. I feel in one of the documents that we that I cataloged. Um, I mean, he was born in 1894, so this 
this really is a man of the early to mid 20th century. Yeah, I mean, well, and you said you said he lived until the 1980s? Yeah. So um, really, he, he saw a good... 86 is yeah. when he passed away. So he saw... Gosh, he was... He had a pretty long life. Um, and he saw, yeah, most of the 20th century in Andover, right? Because I think he lived in town his whole life. Yep, I um, think I think that's true. So it's, again, it's not surprising that his name shows up. All right, are you ready? Time. Ready for one more J. Everett Collins fact? Always. He served in World War One. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And he had to have been pretty young because he was born in 1894. Yeah. So I mean, I guess wow. He would, 20, he would have been 20 when World War One started. So sort of prime age for for enlisting. Um, yeah, really involved. I wonder, is there a World War One memorial in town somewhere? Oh, yes. It seems like there should be. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, presumably his, well, yeah. would his name get on that, or do you only get your name on the memorial so, if you're killed in action? there are veterans' memorials that honor the fallen yeah. dead, and there are veterans' memorials that honor men and women who serve. Yeah. But usually, when you see someone's name on a plaque for a particular thing, it's right. people who have died about right. only because... So many served. Right. It would be a very big memorial. It would be a very big memorial. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, I mean, and of course there are obviously, gosh, thousands and thousands of people who lived in Andover their whole lives and were also involved with the community and just didn't get their names on things. Um, yes. It's certainly worth mentioning, um, you know, for a variety of reasons we could get into. I mean, you know... Who was his secretary? He must have had a secretary. <laughs> Probably his I wife, mean, right? I mean, could, yeah, was maybe he I should. Yes, he was married. In fact, he had a kids and a bunch of grandchildren and, you know, I'm sure by now great-grandchildren. Yeah. Um, he's buried in the um, Spring Grove Cemetery here in town. Yeah. Um, yeah. He. Let's see. Um what should I tell Yeah, he was a 14-year state legislature. Wow. And on Beacon Hill, oh, he was a baritone. So he personally, you know, loved right. singing. And um, he even sang in um, the state house um, where he was called on frequently to sing the national anthem for his fellow legislature, le- legislators. Wow. I mean, imagine that. What I, a detail. I, yes, right. I know. And All, that's, that's coming from a photocopy of his obituary from the Globe? This is the one from the Globe. That's that right. That's we have that specifically cataloged. We don't, but you know, one of the ways we do capture all of this sort of stuff, right now I'm looking at it as a pile, a gently placed pile. Um, We have a sort of local history wiki called Andover Answers. And we do have an entry for J. Everett Collins. Um, And you can find a lot on the Andover wiki as well. And and it's all, I mean, you know, it's contributed to by, I think exclusively by library staff, right? Well, actually, or, at some point we did have a core of volunteers, mm-hmm. and every time I yeah. go in and I dig into our vertical files, I think it's going to take an army of volunteers to really get all of this stuff captured and accessible. Right. right. Um, but, you know, the stuff on the wiki is, I think, I, I would say reliable and generally supported by materials that we have whether they've been cataloged yet or not yeah absolutely it would be really amazing to know um if there are any um other j everett collins um things that have not been given to a historical society Mm -hmm. or a library letters diaries his Mm -hmm. papers um because this man contributed to so many parts of our town the school committee 
um, the as a state representative, as a as a school um, curriculum consultant for music, as uh, an insurance adjuster, as an insurance adjuster. <laughs> um, but you know Snapple. these things are so fragile. Yeah. That it is super important that we kind of, part of your cataloging them is taking control of them right. so that we right. can kind of assess all of these treasures, inventory them, and make decisions about them in a big scale thing. Right. Because this one that I'm looking, I'm looking at a, a program from, um, uh, actually, this is not a program. This is a publicity flyer. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's sort of a, you know, a one page folded to make four pages of, yeah, publicity. What is, I think it's sort of like, what is the Andover Mail Choir? That's right. It's And it's really nice. It's professionally printed yeah. with, with photos, like you said. And yeah. it's on sort of um, glossy, what I think is called clay-coated paper. Mm, yeah. But it's it's in danger. It's taped together with some acidic tape, which... Right. I mean, old old tape. Not that we put on. Like, not that you or I personally put on. Um I mean, the tape has clearly been on there for quite some time. Oh, sure. And yeah. yeah, it is discolored where the tape is. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's sort of a fragile, fragile document uh, physically. And I guess, I think that would be one, like, when you're considering what to prioritize for digitization, I assume that more fragile things would be higher up the list. That's true, but some of the grant-funded programs that we yeah. participate in, like the Digital Commonwealth, right. they really, because of sort of their volume production methods, they really don't want highly fragile mm-hmm. items. I mean, I think these they would take, right? Um, but it, depending right. on what it is... It's so, not disintegrating under our hands. Yeah, so but I, I guess I just want to say that you, the act of cataloging is not only making the materials more accessible to patrons right um but it's also so that they can discover things like you said but it's also helping us make decisions about how to take better care of the collection yes right i mean you can't you know until you know what you have you might as well not have it yeah i mean what's the point of having things if you don't know what they are and you don't know where they are um Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, then it's, you, you don't really have it if that's the case. That's exactly right. I mean, of course, I could go on and talk about cataloging forever, as you could with local history. But, um, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of the, a hidden aspect of librarianship. But, I mean, I, you know, in my biased opinion, I'm absolutely vital. You can't, you know, I mean, if we didn't have records for all of our materials, you you wouldn't know what we have, and you yeah. wouldn't know where to find it. Right. And that that's just not useful. I mean, mm-hmm. great if all you want to do is come in and browse, but... Right, right. Um, um, so I just want to read this out loud. In, this is from this publicity yeah. program from 1940. It says, Jarrett Collins, director, is a high-ranking baritone. He is a World War veteran. So at this point, we haven't had a second World War, right. so he is a World War right. veteran. In 1940, we haven't entered the war yet. A member of the Andover Board of Selectmen and a real leader of men, Mr. Collins has achieved much success as a chorister in Greater Lawrence Churches as well as with the Andover Mail Choir. So, you know, it's interesting because I know the musical director of groups is not the same thing as the conductor. The director is is deciding the program. I get the impression that he often was the conductor. It but he, surprise me. he's organizing the group. He's deciding. He's he's probably booking venues. Right. He is really running the show. Right, possibly drumming up membership. But he was also a trained musician yeah. and a singer in a high ranking baritone. Yeah. 
So it would be really great to get our hands on some recording of his voice. Yeah, that would really that would really be a fun way to enhance the uh, the text collections that we have. Oh yeah, collection. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, it it really is. And you know, this is you know this is just one example of kind of the interesting things that you didn't know you wanted to know about. That we have information on in the Andover room. Yeah, and, you know, just one more thing. Sort of, you said these are discoverable Mm -hmm. now. Right. So if a patron were to um, sit at home and look at our library catalog, Mm -hmm. they could do a keyword search for Andover Male Choir. Yeah. They could do a keyword search for J. Everett Collins because you've taken great care to add subject headings for his name. Yeah. Um, and those records now, for these particular items, do not link to digital... um, um, access to the content, but it tells you that it's here in the Andover right. room and people can ask for help. Right. Right. If you want to access items in the Andover room, you stop at the reference desk. We'll take some form of ID and we will give you the document to look at in the building. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, you can, you can do that. You can come in and see what we have and, um, you know, kind of experience a piece of Andover history firsthand. Uh, which oh, I think is really one hundred percent. As we're talking, and I really am trying to keep this brief, just so that we, um, yeah, can can keep can keep it brief. But I just see so many other venues to research, and mm-hmm. local history mm-hmm. is history. Here's right. a here's a mention of a radio station in Lawrence, WLAW. Um, you know, one of the you know was was broadcasting some of the, these productions. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Yeah. What happened to WLAW? Right. I mean, maybe they still exist. Maybe it exists. 100%. I don't, listen, I don't listen to a lot of radio anymore. But yeah, like, right, there's just so many, there's just so many little things um, yeah. that are just waiting to be discovered. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. These are so rich. And yeah. it's not just genealogists who come in. Um, this, what happened in the everyday lives of um, men and women in towns like Andover mm-hmm. in the mid 20th century is evidence for how history was shifting in bigger ways. This, like you said, right. this is, this is what people, um, many gifted people did with their free time and, and, and less talented people supported these organizations and came to the concerts. And we still have such a rich music scene mm-hmm. here now in Andover. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really amazing to sort of break it down and look at everything that went into making things be so wonderful. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think in future episodes, we'll get into some of the other kind of stories that you can, that you can glean from different collections that we have in the Andover room. Um, you know, many of which will probably tie in with Jay Everett in some way, just because he was so, let's say, omnipresent. A hundred percent. Um, but you know, we have, yeah, we have a lot of different things and we're working on, on cataloging more of them. I mean, and, and some of them are, rather dry things that you would think of you know bylaws town bylaws of different iterations which uh oh definitely when i was pulling these out today i found a huge file folder that says um sewerage history and i thought oh i'm gonna wait (laughs) on cataloging those that's not my top priority but i don't know it could be fascinating it, it could be you're right i was cataloging recently we have some municipal documents that are current and don't live in the andover run that I've been cataloging recently. And one of them was um, was actually about North Reading's 
water supply. Yes. Which I had not realized yes. that North Reading buys all of their water from Andover. Um, not a um, smooth, it's, you know, a very contentious topic. Yeah. It's a contentious, yes, it's yeah. just, you know, you don't think about water as being in particularly short, I mean, we don't live in a desert, you know? And yet, North Reading does not have their own water supply. And even though the document itself was fairly technical and dry and not something that I would want to sit down and read through it in its entirety, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it, like, that was still a really interesting thing that I gleaned from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even among some of the more dry items like bylaws and possibly sewer reports, there can still be these tidbits, uh, you know, that are that are sort of fascinating. Oh, they are. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I just, I love that. You know, and before I started cataloging local history items here, I really don't think I had an appreciation for the kind of information that they contain. And the fact that it really, you know, I mean, they're, they were at one point living vital documents that... Um, you know, the kind of chronicled daily life. Yeah. That's a hundred that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. When you're when you're really young, you you hear the word history and you think, old person, mm-hmm. big fat book. Yeah. I don't homework. Right. You don't really think um sort of living, breathing evidence right. of how wonderful and sad and tragic and all the right. things that life can be. Um, but capturing it is um so important. And yeah. this is, you know, we're part of that here yeah. at the library. Well, I think that's I think that's a natural place to wrap things up for today. But uh but listeners, at some point Stephanie Odd will be back with me, Stephanie Smith, just to just to keep things interesting. Um to have two Stephanies. And we will be talking about more local history topics. And if there's anything that you want to hear about please feel free to email. You can reach us at our desk at mhl.org. Um, R for reference. And we would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for joining me today, Stephanie. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, for all you listeners, you've obviously found us somewhere since you're listening to us. But uh, in general, we can be found at our website, mhl.org slash podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to leave ratings or reviews or email us directly. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening.